It's May the 9th in the year of our Lord, 2023, and we are ready to tell you the hymn we're going to be looking at today. Dear Christians, one and all rejoice. It's 10 verses long. I'm sure you're going to enjoy hearing at least the first verse. Dear Christians, one and all rejoice. Christians want to know rejoice. This is a hymn by Martin Luther, and it was written early in his life, soon after the Reformation began. It was probably first heard about 1524. This was the second hymn that Luther wrote. The first hymn was a new song here shall be begun. And so we have it all the way from 1524. It just so happens to be the English translation on the work of Richard Massey, who died in 1887 in his Martin Luther's Spiritual Songs. And this translation is one of his finest and has been used in the Missouri Synod hymnals since 1889. Now stanzas three and six are heavily altered from the translation in Catherine Winkworth's Christian Singers of Germany. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with me is Pastor Mark Smith. How do you like this hymn, Pastor Smith? Tom, this is one of my favorites, I'll tell you. And uh, this is one of the finest hymns that uh, that Luther wrote, no doubt about it. It's 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 long, but I'll tell you, every verse is is excellent. It you, you know you wonder why it uh, it is placed as the last the hymn for the last Sunday of Easter, but really it tells the whole story, the whole gospel story, all the way up to Ascension. Of course. The following uh, the following week is Ascension Day, so it's it's very appropriate. Yes, it talks about justification, and if you want to give someone a hymn that summarizes Lutheran theology properly, you probably can't find a better one than this. That's right. It tells a tells the whole story. 
loaded with theology. So, without further ado, stanza one, please. Right. Dear Christians, one and all rejoice with exaltation springing, and with united heart and voice and holy rapture singing. Proclaim the wonders God has done, how his right arm the victory won, what price our ransom cost him. What does right arm refer to? That's referring to Christ. Christ is yes. God's God the Father's right hand man. And notice you can't get out of the first stanza without the agent of our salvation being proclaimed. Proclaim the wonders God has done. That's right. That's really what a sermon is all about. Here's it's not what about, God has done for you. It's not about what we've done, but about what he's done. I'll read two. Fast bound in Satan's chains I lay. Death brooded darkly over me. Sin was my torment night and day. In sin my mother bore me. But daily deeper still I fell. My life became a living hell. So firmly sin possessed me. Now, you know, I love talking about law and gospel. Is this passage law or gospel? Yeah, this is, this is law. This, this gets right to the predicament that, uh, that sin put us in. Uh, and it really, it's, it speaks of Luther's own predicament. You know how Luther really struggled until he discovered the gospel. And it, yes. it, this, this fast bound in Satan's chains I lay, death brooded darkly o'er me. Sin was my torment night and day, and sin my mother bore me. Luther, Luther understood this firsthand. Yes. And what do we call sin that we were born with? We That's original it. sin. Excellent, yes. A lot of people don't believe in original sin. They believe that sin is something that you begin to learn. But no, from God's point of view, you are born in sin. And therefore, yep. infant baptism is so important. Why is that? Yeah, well, Psalm 51, verse 5. In sin did my mother conceive me. And, uh, you know, you, there, there's no way out. Christ is the only way out. And baptism baptism for that little infant is the only way that that little infant can be brought into the faith. And, and when he's baptized, that little infant is, is washed of all of his sins, all of them. And yep. uh, he's made a child of God and an heir of heaven from the moment of his baptism. Luther talks about good works in stanza three, please. My own good works all came to naught, no grace or merit gaining. Free will against God's judgment fought, dead to all good remaining. My fears increased till sheer despair left only death to be my share. The pangs of hell I suffered. That's excellent in talking about there was no merit I was able to gain by my good works. This flies in the face of every other religion in the world, which teaches what you do makes a difference to God as to whether or not you're saved. 
Whereas in Christianity, it's what you believe. Faith is the important item. Yes, and even that faith is a gift from God. God actually gives us the faith whereby we believe. It's, it's all God's doing, all of it. Yeah, apart from God, nobody would ever come to faith in Jesus Christ. In fact, I, I like the reading from Acts chapter 17, where it says in verse 17, so Paul reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons. And people use that verse trying to give the impression that we need to use human reason to convince someone that Christianity is a true religion. But if you look at the text, he does the same thing that Jesus did on the road to Emmaus. He simply quotes the scripture. He gives no evidence from outside the scripture at all that what he is saying is true. And yet many people come to faith by hearing this message. That's right. It's a work of God, and it's, it's really a miracle. Uh, it's a miracle of the Holy Spirit. Yep. Stanza four, please. But God had seen my wretched state before the world's foundation, and mindful of his mercies great, he planned for my salvation. He turned to me a father's heart. He did not choose the easy part, but gave his dearest treasure. And what was his dearest treasure? His own beloved son, Jesus Christ, gave his precious son to die on the cross, to suffer, to suffer, and to die on the cross for all of us. You know, I was asked a question in adult instruction not long ago by a woman. Did God know before he created the world that Jesus Christ would have to die on the cross. And this is really interesting. The verse says, before the world's foundation, God had seen my wretched state and he planned for my salvation. That's right. Yeah. yeah he, he knows everything. And he, and he planned that uh, in, in eternity what he would have to do to save the whole world from its sin and death. Find another religion with a God that has such a father's heart. They choose the easy part in every other religion. Man has to do what is necessary. But in Christianity, God did it. That's right. So, verse 5. God said to his beloved son, it's time to have compassion. Then go, bright jewel of my crown, and bring to all salvation. From sin and sorrow set them free. Slay bitter death for them that they may live with you forever. Now, God says he's going to bring to all salvation, but not all are going to be saved. So what is he talking about that he brings to all salvation? Well, he, that's, that's what we call his objective justification. His son yes. was sent to this, to this earth to die on the cross for all people. 
even the, the scoundrels of history, and even those who would finally reject him, even unto death. Uh, he, he died for them, too. He reaches out to all as his nail-pierced hands are, are reaching out to the whole world on that cross. He, he would have all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. But, of course, only those who by grace are brought to faith are finally saved. So in witnessing to someone who's worried about their salvation, even if they're an unbeliever, you can say to them, but your sins have been forgiven. Believe right. on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's right. That's true for, that's true for all people. All this, when he said, it is finished, when he cried out, it is finished on the cross, that meant that all the world, the, the, the sins of the whole world, the sins of all time, had been atoned by him. Yes. And the only people who go to hell are those who reject that message. They That's prefer right. to pay for their own sins. So, what did the Son do, according to verse 6? According to verse 6, the, the Son obeyed his Father's will, was born of virgin mother, and God's good pleasure to fulfill, he came to be my brother. His royal power disguised he bore, a servant's form like mine he wore to lead the devil captive. What does it mean, a servant's form? Well, he's, in fact, it, it talks about the suffering servant way back in the Old Testament. Uh, Isaiah spoke of this God's suffering servant, Jesus Christ. Um, he, he, he took on the form of a servant, even though he, he never ceased to be God. He was God from eternity. But, uh, and, he, and, and he always had that divine power accessible to him. He simply did not use it. He, uh, that, we call that his state of humiliation. Yes. So a servant's form would really be referring to his incarnation. His incarnation, exactly, yes. That's because he was born a virgin mother. Yeah. And, and he see. did that to fulfill God's good pleasure. Yeah. Yeah, he took, he took that servant's form even from conception in his mother's womb. There are a lot of metaphors in the Bible and helps us to understand God. That's why we begin the Lord's Prayer with our Father, who art in heaven. And that's mentioned in the first line of verse 6. But the other metaphor is that Jesus came to be my brother. And so that's very important that we become a member of the family of God. That's right. Okay, 7, please. Oh, I love this. This is this is really a this is where God gets really personal uh, with us. He says to me, He said, "Stay close to me. I am your rock and castle. Your ransom, I myself will be. For you, I strive and wrestle. For I am yours, and you are mine. And where I am, you may remain. The foe shall not divide us." Wow, that really shows what a father God is to us, what a brother Jesus is. Again, you got two metaphors. Why is it important that he's our rock and his castle? Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of foreshadowing his his later hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. I am your rock and castle. He is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. 
Excellent. Yes. And your ransom I myself will be. For you I strive and wrestle. Not me. I don't strive and wrestle to get into heaven. God strived and wrestled. And he got me into heaven. Because I am yours and you are mine. And where I am, you may remain. The foe shall not divide us. Who's the foe? The old evil foe, Satan, of course. Uh, where he says, remember he says, let's see, it's in Romans, Romans 8, 28. Um, he talks about how nothing, nothing will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, not height nor depth nor any other creature, will separate us from, from our Lord Jesus Christ. And not even our sin. Right. The only thing that separates us is unbelief, the opposite of faith. That's right. All right. Uh, would you read stanza eight, please? Though he will shed my precious blood, me of my life bereaving, all this I suffer for your good. Be steadfast and believing. Life will from death the victory win. My innocence shall bear your sin, and you are blessed forever. What does bereaving mean? Uh, let's see, bereaving. Though he will shed my precious blood, me of my life be uh, t Taking away. Yes. He this takes away what? Our sin. Yeah, uh, but he says, though he will shed my precious blood, me of my life be reaving. He's, uh, yeah, he's talking about how Christ will uh, he'll give his life on the altar of the cross. Yes. And he, therefore, suffers for your good. Tell me another religion where the God of that religion suffers for the salvation of human beings. There is no God. No other religion like that. That's why we know this is divine. This is God-given. Because it's a revealed religion. It didn't come from the mind of men. Every religion that comes from the mind of men is always legalistic. That means it's what you do that makes a difference. And the more that you do that is according to God's will, they say, the more are your chances that he will save you. Whereas in Christianity, the more that God does according to his will, the more assurance that you have that you will be saved. It's quite a difference, is it not? Absolutely. So life will from death the victory win. How is life won from death? Well, you know, it's interesting. Life happens to be capitalized. It's the first line of that. It's one of the lines of that stanza. But, you know, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Yes. The life, Jesus himself, will from death the victory win. He's, he's done it for us. Because he dies, that means... 
he has paid for our sin. And you already mentioned it, the word from the cross. It is finished. It's so sad how many human beings think that Jesus did one thing and now it's up to me to fulfill what he had done or to do good works so that he'll save us. No, it is finished. I'll read stanza nine. Now, to my father I depart, from earth to heaven ascending, and heavenly wisdom to impart, the Holy Spirit sending. In trouble, he will comfort you and teach you always to be true, and into truth shall guide you. Now, I, I find this verse interesting because all three persons of the Trinity are spoken of here. The Father, then I, who is Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. But there's no triangle in front of the verse. When there's a triangle, what does that normally mean? That's, uh, that makes it a, a doxological verse, and we stand for it. Yes. But, uh, you know, Tom, again, this, is, this, is, this stanza makes this such an appropriate hymn to sing on the last Sunday of Easter before the Ascension, because that's what this is talking about. Now to my Father I depart from earth to heaven ascending. And, uh, of course, it also, it also gives you a little premonition about once he's ascended to heaven, he's also going to send us that special outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. Yes. In fact, John the Baptizer talked about it. Jesus talked about it to his disciples that he will send them the Spirit. And that's what motivates us to do good works in the life of sanctification. We're motivated by the Holy Spirit who keeps reminding us of what the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit did, specifically the Son's wonderful sacrifice on our behalf. And that's why we call it the gospel, which is just another way of talking about good news. It so, says the Holy Spirit, will, in trouble he will comfort you and teach you always to be true, and into truth shall guide you. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit brings us to faith, and he also keeps us in the one true faith, even unto life and salvation. We owe a lot to the Holy Spirit, let me tell you, just as we owe, uh, owe a lot to Christ. That's because you walk into a funeral service and you are in deep grief. You walk out of a proper funeral service, you're still in grief, but now you have hope because the Holy Spirit has given you those Bible passages from the scripture to give you hope for your loved one who died in the faith. Yes, Tom, and, it, and it's a sure and certain hope. It's not just a, oh, I hope this or I hope that. It's a sure and certain hope because it's based upon the rock-solid promises of Christ. Yes. All right, stanza 10, please. What I on earth have done and taught, guide all your life and teaching. So shall the kingdom's work be wrought and honored in your preaching. But watch 
lest foes with based alloy the heavenly treasure should destroy. This final word I leave you. So it begins with what I on earth have done and taught. And in some hymns, the I would be referring to the singer. But what does it refer to in this hymn? I believe it refers to Christ. That's right. It's While like he was on earth, he did and taught to guide all our life and teaching. Yeah. It's like the passage where he says, if you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So we want to continue in his word. And we do that even only by God's help through the Holy Spirit. Yep. Now this hymn has ten stanzas, but on the page this hymn appears, there's a Bible verse from Romans 5, 1 and 2. It reads, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's tremendous good news and promise. So, Pastor Smith, we got through the 10 verses with some good insights, and we pray that it may be sung in worship this coming week. Till tomorrow, when we deal another Bible study, God Listen to bless Gospel you. Each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.